Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. All right, church, we're continuing this morning in uh, the second book of Timothy or second letter of Timothy, chapter 2. And, right, and we're up to verse 19 this morning. Now, before, you know, in life, we, we've discovered the last, the last few weeks in this chapter that, that in life, you discover that there's always a threat. There's always a crisis. There's always, there's always bad information. There's always bad intentions. But the very first word of this next verse highlights the reality of the gospel of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And that word is nevertheless. Verse 19, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour, some for dishonour. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, Love, peace with those who call on the Lord and out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him to do his will. What a meaty passage we have before us this morning, church. I, you know, I, I, my prayer is that God will, will open our hearts and our minds to receive um, the solid food that he has for us this morning. So, so let's, just, let's dive into those scriptures. Let's start at verse 19 and, and, and see what we, we can discover along the way. Nevertheless, the strong, and sorry, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I love this. I love that, that the start of that scripture, around, that, that the solid foundation of God stands. Nothing, you know, nothing can shake it. You talk, the Bible talks in Hebrews about those things that cannot be shaken will remain. Talks of, you know, I, I love that scripture in, in Romans 8. It says, Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It, it, it talks, the, the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy about the solid foundation, but it's not just a solid foundation, it, it is sealed. It's, it's sealed with a heavenly seal, and it's a, a double-sided seal. And the first side of that seal is a, is, a, is a seal of comfort. And the comfort is this, is that the Lord knows those that are His. When you give your life to Christ, when you surrender your life to God, from that point on, he knows that you are his and there's a comfort in that and that nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from his hope, from your inheritance. It is solid, it is secure, it is sealed by the Holy Spirit. What an amazing, what an amazing gift, what an amazing seal. And on the other side of the seal is a challenge and says, you know, it's a, it's a challenge of duty. 
and says this, that everyone who names the name of Christ must depart from iniquity. There's a call on our lives that, that when much has been given, when so much has been given, when eternal life has been given, much is required. And what's required is that we lay down those things, those attachments that, that, that drag us down to earthly things and set our focus on heavenly things. Matthew 7, 21 is so strong on this. It says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many say to me, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's a challenge. It's a challenge when we know God is that to whom much is given, much is required. And this is, you know, there's another scripture that says, freely you have received now freely give. God has freely given us the, the, the keys to the kingdom. That he's given us the gift of eternal life. And now he's saying, now that you have received, it's time that you give. Not only do you give of yourself, but you give up those works of lawlessness, those things that are, that are selfish and you begin to walk in selflessness. Living on the solid foundation of God is secure, sealed by his spirit. And on it, there is comfort and there is also duty. Let's remember that. Let's remember that nothing can separate us. And let's also remember that, that it is our responsibility to leave those works of, those works of iniquity, those, those, those attachments to this world. Let's leave them behind. Verse 20 says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honour and some for dishonour church of jesus is a great house a well-furnished house it has valuable items valuable items that are used for blessing others and it also has items of of lower value that are more disposable and for the short-term use it talks about things of gold and silver and then it talks about things of wood and clay or, or wood and earth and i suggest to you this morning that paul uses this simile between a great house and the church he uses that simile to, to, to show us that it's a normal thing that in a house or in the church that there are vessels of honour and vessels of dishonour. It's not strange, nor should it be distressing that we discover people in the church using principles and practices for honour and also for selfish reasons. We don't need to be distressed or even upset by we We can just say this is part of living in, in, in humanity, even in the house of God. It says there are not only vessels, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver. You know, these are the people of, of the church who, who, who are comparable to gold and silver. We know those people. You know those people, you may be sitting next to them right now, you may be one of them, who, those, those people who, whose life brings honour and blessing to those around them and also who gives glory to God. Comparable to gold and silver preciousness in the sight of christ now here's something interesting gold and silver are two of the you know that in their purest form they 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 don't lose any value and they and they can be restored and melted down and rebuilt again over and over and over again and in this we see we we see the representation of eternity 
silver and gold, you know, they, 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 they represent honour, which is an eternal act. So honour is something that speaks to someone's eternalness. But there's also wood and clay or earth. Wood signifies things that are, that are, that are current. You know, wood, while it was a tree, was growing and its greatest strength was while it was growing. But then, then when the tree was cut down and the wood was used to build furniture or to make a fire, it became temporal. So when the Lord talks about uh, wood and clay talk, and talking about uh, uh, dishonour, it's not necessarily saying it's, it's being mean or rude or something like that, dishonouring to people with our words. It's, it's talking about living according to temporal things, things that are going to run out, things that, that uh, wood might be great because it provides a warmth for a moment, but it doesn't sustain anything eternally. Those who are lacking in the grace of Jesus cause contention and division sometimes when we get caught just trying to to be happy and present in a moment we can cause a longer term or an eternal contention because because we take people's eyes off the things of god and take them to the comfort of the moment which is what these temporal things do of clay or earth signifies the senses and the feelings the worldly who mind earth and earthly things when we get, you know, wood, wood signifies, you know, wood signifies the, 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 uh, the, the fuel of the fire, the something that, that warms us in the moment and satisfies us in the moment, but, it, but it, it's fleeting at best. And then the, the clay or the earth or the soil that it represents, it represents the senses or the earthly things, the things that, that appeal to us momentarily and then are also fleeting. Honour is eternal. Dishonour is in the moment. We can get caught thinking it's about being nice to people and being, and being not nice to people. But in reality, it's about seeing the eternity in someone and seeing the moment in someone. And on this Mother's Day, which, is, which mothers show this eternal trait so well because they can see beyond the moment of, someone's of their child's tantrum or their child's misbehaviour or their child's fear or tears or whatever they're walking through and they can see the eternal value of their heavenly father in that child. Verse 21 says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honour, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now there's some of us in the church that like the vessels of wood and earth or clay, are living in tangent to God's will. We're in the church, but we're still living according to the moments, according to, the, to our senses, according to, to the desires of this world. But here's the beauty of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It gives us the ability to be cleansed of dishonour. How? Through repentance. Through immersing ourselves in the things of God, we can become all of a sudden useful in the Father's hands. See, church, the earth is consumed with appearance. God is not. God's looking for obedience and honour for his will to be actioned. God's looking at your heart. He's not looking at your appearance. He gave you your appearance. We spend so much of our life enhancing our appearance or our experience instead of seeing our, our, our soul renewed by his word and by his spirit. Cleansing ourselves from these, these ideals. This is the goal, that we may be sanctified for the master's use. 
How do we do it? We first set apart our heart. When we set apart our heart unto God, this is the preparation of every good work. A lot of times in life we lose passion and we lose motivation and we walk in these moments and we don't know where, why we are where we are. And I want to suggest to you this morning that, that we lose those things because we get caught in the natural. We get caught in the temporal. Because the temporal is always changing. But he, we read in, in Malachi 3.6, it says, I am the Lord, I change not. The will of God is always secure. It is always strong. It is always focused. It is always eternal. It doesn't ebb and flow with the, with the weather, with the seasons of earth. It remains the same that everyone would be saved. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, Peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, it's interesting because Timothy was a good young man. He was beyond his years in his wisdom. He was known for his, for his, uh, his manner and his nature and his character. Yet Paul still sees it necessary to caution him against youthful lusts. Flee them. In other words, take all possible care to keep yourself pure from them. I think there's a great reminder here from Paul that none of us are exempt from, from our, their youthfulness, the way that, you know, the, 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 the things that we love. I don't know about you, but I've, um, in this season, I've given myself a little bit of permission to, uh, to uh, partake of some comfort food a little bit more than I used to. And, and, it's, and I don't know why. It's something I would never do. I'd drive past KFC and I'd duck in and see, see our beautiful worship leader, Amy Park, and, and get another large chips that I can, uh, that I can scoff down. And, and I think that's not something that is, that is usually in my everyday life, but, I, but I've somehow um, have allowed myself a new privilege in a season that's disrupting my habits. And I want to encourage you, don't let the season define uh, who you are. We, the way that we flee things is by pursuing the things of God. Sometimes when our normal world gets disrupted, we can get caught giving ourselves permission to do all sorts of different things. But the Lord's saying, make sure your pursuit is not defined by the season you're in. Make sure your pursuit is defined by what you're pursuing. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. And the more we follow good, the faster and further we shall be from evil. I also think it's interesting here when he says pursue peace. It doesn't just say the word peace. It says, it says pursue peace with those that call on the Lord. This is why this, this time that we're in is so difficult because the gathering of the saints is not possible in the normal way. Here we are gathered together on our couches all around the place. We're gathered in concept. You know, you can look and see how many people are viewing at the moment. That's how many people you're gathered with. The gathering, the communion of saints. This insulates us from youthful lusts like no other thing. There's something about being in community that protects you from yourself. Verse 23, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. You know, Paul cautions us here against thoughtless and unlearned questions that lead to conflict without purpose. It's actually interesting how often Paul cautions Timothy around this area, around, around disputes in the church, around avoiding those things. 
You know, we live in we live in a lie. We live in a in a world that dispute and and um, and shock and awe and disruption is where money is made in our, in our media. You know, we look, we look at our parliament and question time is a constant dispute of of pre-organised rhetoric from one side and pre-organised questions demanding something from the other side. And and we see, you know, we see these these thoughtless and unlearned unlearned questions that are causing us uh, are, are causing a fractiousness in our in our society. So let me say this: our faith is. It's lived out more in believing and practicing what God requires than in the defense of these obscure interpretations of life and of Scripture. You know, the, world has, the world's arguing about everything, but so are we. We have more denominations now than at any point in history. There's tens of thousands of denominations. Why? Because we're arguing about these obscure interpretations of Scripture. 90% of all those denominations believe that Christ died that Christ rose, that, 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 that Christ was, was um, ascended and that he will come again. We believe those things, we agree on those things, but we, we have these arguments that distract us from those things. It goes on, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Heated arguments are not in service to the Lord, church. We must be gentle. Here's the battle. Gentleness, it's not natural under tension. Gentleness is not natural under tension or in, or in an argument, is it? It's, it's actually a, one of the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness under tension shows that we're subject to God's authority. Quarreling shows us that we're in defense of ourselves. Must be apt to teach, it says. Here's an interesting thought. Teaching is different to knowing. We're in an information age where it's very easy. You can be having a conversation. You can Google whether someone was right or wrong. And I like doing it to my friends regularly just to test them. And, and we can know things, but teaching is very different to knowing. Teaching requires us to get to know the student, find out where the student is at, and then walk alongside them and help them to discover the truth together. It's a whole different concept, and it requires patience. Now, patience when you know information is frustrating because you just want to give the information and you wonder why when you give it, it doesn't get partaken of straight away. Patience is another fruit of the Spirit. It's something that is required for teaching so that we can have the patience so that the student can learn within their capacity at the right time and in the due season. Verse 25. In humility... Correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Interesting humility, isn't it? The humility of correction, it's seen and it's also unseen. Humility of correction is seen in the way that we present the correction. We present it in love and we present it in, in, you know, in, a, in a gentleness. And it's unseen. It's unseen in its motivation. In the hope that through the correction that God perhaps will grant them repentance in order to know the truth. It's interesting that, that knowledge, even knowledge about the scriptures, 
You know, knowledge is acquired through study and through experience. But truth, truth is acquired through repentance. And only God can grant repentance. Repentance is God's gift. We read in, I think it's in Romans 2, that God's goodness leads us to repentance. Only his goodness can lead us to repentance. When we see the goodness of God, we're caused to repent from our old belief systems and attach ourselves to him. And when we attach ourselves to him through repentance, truth becomes visible. And unfortunately, we cannot rescue another from the snares of the enemy. Yet we can humbly correct them in the hope that they will come to their senses and escape those lives that they've bought into all this time. Solid words, church. Solid words. Let's continue to contemplate this chapter. 2 Timothy 2 is a, is a chapter that is for this year, we believe. We dis, we, as an eldership, we discovered this chapter uh, in, in around September last year, and we, we believe that it is significant for this church for this year. So I encourage you to read it and read it again contemplate and as you do as you contemplate this chapter i assure you that the grace that is in christ jesus will also be in you remember those great words no matter what you're walking through nevertheless the solid foundation of god stands remember neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, church. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled by the richness of your wisdom. Lord, we are in awe of your grace and of your truth. Father, help us to see that truth. Lord, we, we ask that you would grant us repentance in those areas where we're living outside of your will or at tangent to your will, Lord. Lord, we want to be vessels of honour in your house. We want to be of gold and of silver, but not of wood and of clay, Lord. We don't want to live according to dishonour or to the things of this world. We want to live according to eternal things. We want to speak to the eternal value in people. We want to speak to the eternal hope in people, Lord. Help us to see beyond the moment and see your image in those people that we, we are speaking to. Lord, we seek the words to speak life, to speak hope. Lord, we seek the words to bring you glory. We want to worship you, Lord, not just in our song, but in our lives and in our manner and in our attitude. We glorify that mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it. We thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the communion of saints. Lord, we pray for our nation right now. We lift it up. We pray for our, our whole planet right now. Lord, may your blessing be upon humanity as we seek to find truth in the chaos of this crisis. And we just ask, Father, that you would bless the leaders, that you would open their eyes and that you would show us a pathway, Lord, not just out of the crisis, but into your hands and into your arms. We say these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, 
please check out our website at noosa.church.